good afternoon, everybody. My hope with this topic today is the expectations are really low because we're talking about mission statements, which can be a very dry topic. And so I hope to exceed your expectations. With mission, vision, and values, the simple way to think about it, I'm going to answer a lot of the questions that you had in the memos. But the basic idea is, this is these are succinct ways to communicate where we're headed as an organization and how we're going to get there. You know, and that's the question you're always going to be asked when you're talking to a funder, when you're trying to recruit volunteers, when you're trying to get a board member, trying to revamp your strategic plan. Step back and say, where are we headed? What are we trying to accomplish? And what are the ways to get there? And so that's the mission, vision, and values is the all-encompassing umbrella statement in a succinct way to communicate these things. When you guys think of or hear the terms mission, vision, values, or all the other synonyms that are associated with these terms, what are your reactions, just your gut reactions? And I'm trying to skew towards your negative reactions, so don't try and be all polished and nice about it. Maddie? That it's just blocks that organizations have to like, make themselves feel good. Because like, they're relevant, but like, when I think of like, major nonprofits, I also like think about their mission or their values. Exactly, okay. No one wants to create fluff, right. but yeah. they do create fluff, so... In all the strategic planning and meetings I've been with like other nonprofits, it's usually like one or two people who aren't as heavily involved as other people may be, and so they think about this, like what I used to think was a smaller aspect of what a nonprofit needs, um, versus like things we could be doing right now that'll make an immediate impact, versus mm-hmm. like putting down on paper this idea that we have about who we are as an organization. Sure. Other reactions that you guys have? Nick? Um, It sort of makes me feel like they're not meeting their ideals. The first thing that came to mind for some reason, uh, I don't know their mission statement, but Go Express. Uh I've had a bunch of terrible experiences with them, and I've tried calling them. I've I've just had awful service with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't even know what their mission statement is, but to make your life miserable right, is their mission. Like, so. um, <laughs> to make you late and panic. You know? yeah, exactly. So it's ideals, but when you're nowhere near meeting the ideals, I feel like it needs a... So a lot of times there's an incongruence between here's our mission and here's the reality of what we do. So a lot of times you can look at an organization, look at their mission statement and be like, they are nowhere near matching up with what their mission is, so... Any other reactions that you have? Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, like, a lot of organizations write their mission so that they can apply for a certain number of grants, so it's, like, a clear connection. So in, in that sense, related to the theory, it's resource dependence. You dictate or adapt your mission to fit the funding streams that are available. Have any of you had experiences where having a mission statement or vision statement was valuable or actually helped? Yeah. Well, I interned with um, a theater conservatory that I had actually like, gone to as a kid, but I just went back and interned for them over uh-huh. the summer. And they were in the process of doing like this um, entire new renovation and um, trying to get like a lot more grants and a lot more donations to like renovate their building and do like a bunch of different things. And in the process of that, they like revamped their mission statement. Hmm. And now like their mission statement is much more attuned to like what their actual mission is and what uh-huh. they're actually doing. And it seems like it actually has helped them hmm. get a lot more interest because it's a lot more, um, not detailed, but it just kind of speaks more to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's definitely helped them refocus sure. as they like, went back in and rewrote their mission statement. Yeah. 
when you see a compelling mission, it's like, oh, that's cool. Or I'd want to be a part of that. It moves you towards the organization of wanting to know more, whether the organization is recruiting you or wanting funding or whatever. It can have that appeal. It could also have a repelling effect. Any other positive experiences? Yeah. Um, I would just say, like, if you're an employer and you're trying to find employees like work for you, you want people who are going to value your mission, vision, and values because then it'll like if you can reach that goal hmm. better and you'll hmm. put forth a better foot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it can function as a good filtering mechanism because there could be certain people that you don't want mm -hmm. and you want to be able to signal, here's who we are. And if you're on board with this, then great, come and join us. If you're not, you know, we're probably not a good fit. Does anyone know uh, SPIA's mission statement or tagline? Lead for the greater good. Lead for the greater good. Okay, so that's good. If I would have to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say it's a 7 or 8. Mm -hmm. There's nothing controversial about it. It's pretty clear-cut, pretty focused. It's, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Anyone know Indiana's IU's mission statement or sort of tagline? Fulfilling the promise. Fulfilling the promise. She memorizes these things. She, no. <laughs> what would you score that one? Fulfilling the promise. It has a, a veneer of altruism because we just assume we know what the promise is and it must be a good <laughs> promise. And if you're fulfilling it, that's always good to fulfill your promises. But it's sufficiently vague. What promise? You know, is it a promise to provide education to all of Indiana's population? It's, it's just unclear what the promise is. So maybe it's a safe mission. Like a four? I think there's a lot of promises. Though. <laughs> so it has the veneer of being positive, but then when you think about it, you're like, what, what is it? About? So the way that I like to think about your mission, vision, and values, they're a package, your core statements of your organization. And each organization might have a different term that they use, so don't get too hung up on the term. But these statements provide an anchor. It's a foundation. It's a grounding. This is the anchor point, and it's from this point that we launch forward. This is our identity. This is who we are. But another way of thinking about it is also a compass, because you are an organization, you're moving somewhere, you're going somewhere, and you have to make directional choices. Like as you're moving forward, you have to say, do we go in this direction or in this direction? And so these statements hopefully will provide a compass of what direction should we go in? How should we, how should we be moving? And what things should we avoid? And what things should we aim for? And so in many ways, it's both an anchor and a compass for directional purposes. And then it also... I would say, hopefully, or if it's done well, it's the fuel. It's the thing that inspires or motivates. Not in this sort of idealistic Pollyanna type of way, but it's one where it's like, yes, this is what I want to be a part of. And, and there's a compelling vision, and it's worthy of my time, it's worthy of my energy, it's worthy of my resources. It's just, there's something invigorating about it. Now, that's a high challenge to have statements which can be very boring and very dry to say that will be the fuel for the organization. But I believe that there are organizations out there where they have really compelling vision statements. And it's not the statement, it's a very compelling vision for what they're about. Now you need the statement to articulate it, but in many ways it's what is the vision, what are you guys trying to accomplish? What do you want to see happen? And so these are very valuable things that an organization needs, an anchor, a compass, motivation. And that's where mission, vision, and values comes into play. The end goal is not just to have a product being a mission statement, a vision statement, and values. Like The actual value in creating these is the process. And so typically when you create a mission statement, 
It's pulling together all of your leaders, all of your key stakeholders and key leaders and saying, what is our mission going to be? It isn't like instantly all five people are going to say, oh, it's this. It's a process in negotiating, articulating, communicating, well, I'm really passionate about this. I think it needs to include this. I think if we leave this out, it's going to be a huge omission. It's the actual process of coming up with your mission statement that's where the value is because it gets everyone on the same page. And you might find someone who's sitting there, part of these conversations, and just saying, you know, I'm out. When I hear you guys talk about the mission and the direction of the organization, it's really not who I am. And it's better for me to remove myself from leadership at this point than to just go along with it and think, I'll continue to play. Because the organization doesn't need you and you don't need the organization. And so it's a process of coalescing as a team and as an organization. And it helps if you bring in your stakeholders, if you bring in your key funders, if you bring in your key constituents, because you want them on board too. Because if you just hole up in a closet by yourself and come up with a mission statement, it's going to be really hard to bring others on board with that. Whereas if you start off with a team of people and through this process you come up with a mission statement that you all embrace and you're excited about, then that's a good launching pad. And the same for these group projects. For your teams, this process, the reason why we do it at the very beginning is so that each of you is clear about what are we trying to create when we're doing this nonprofit startup so that we don't just five weeks into it be like, now wait, what are we doing? So this process will hopefully bond you as a team, at least bond you in the concept of what is it that we're trying to accomplish through this project. So we have our mission statement as an organization, so now we can just file that away and get on with doing the things of our organization. It's a living document, it's a process that can evolve, and it's important to evolve. Or if like, you get a new executive director, you hit the reboot button and you restart the process of, is our mission still in line with where we're wanting to go as an organization, or do we need to refine it or adapt it? The other thing is that it's an art, it's not a science, there isn't a formula for here's the key components of a mission statement and here's what a mission statement needs to have and here's the template and go do it. These statements should reflect creativity, innovation, personality, who you are, not just this rigid, formulaic, here's our mission statement, here's the template. So even the standard template is 15 to 20 words for like a mission statement or a vision statement, but it could be a 30-second video, it could be an infographic, it could be a picture, don't get stuck in this idea of like, okay, i got to come up with 15 to 20 words for each of these and have all these different criterias met. But it's how can we, in the most compelling and clear way, communicate who we are as an organization and where we're going and how we're going to get there. I would invite you to be creative and to broaden your options of possibilities of how to write these statements or how to come up with these. I think it's the safe, conservative thing is just to write a 15-word statements. But if you want to push yourself, think through, like, well, what's a, a word picture or a graphic or an image that would just succinctly capture the mission or the vision or the values? A big question in drafting these documents, oftentimes organizations, they just sit down in their office and they come up with these mission statements, and they're cognizant, sort of, of their stakeholders, but they don't include their stakeholders or they don't sort of think through there's competing stakeholders that might have differences of opinions of what the mission and the vision and the values of the organization should be. So as you guys think about your particular organization that you're starting, 
Who are some of the stakeholders that you might want to consider as you're drafting these statements? Some stakeholders that would be important. Um, Lauren. The people that you're trying to serve. Okay. So like the constituents, the recipients of the service. Okay. What are some other stakeholders? Yes. The donors who are going to give you. Okay. The funders. That's good. Employees. Employees. Potential employees. I mean, if you're like doing international, like mm -hmm. the place you're reaching out to, or like the just another location that. So like the. Like, I don't know. Even government officials right. potentially. Yeah. Another stakeholder would be the law. It's not necessarily a person. It's anything that would have a vested interest in your organization or its operations. What was yours, Emily? Volunteers. Volunteers. Mm -hmm. Collaborators, yeah. partner organizations, teachers for the people who are doing after-school programs. Because in a sense, these stakeholders can be advocates or they can be detractors. They can be promoting your organization or they could be... Uh, you could go to this if you wanted to, but when you're coming up with your mission, vision, and values, should you try to appeal to your stakeholders? I think it was Isabel who had said, should we write our mission statement to align with who we think we're going to get our funding from? What do you guys think? To what extent or what would be your perspective on appealing to the different stakeholders? Well, I think, like you said, defining which stakeholders you want to appeal to. I think at the end of the day, Unless you have donors who are in line, like base donors who are like getting you off the ground, mm -hmm. unless they have a mission that you've spoken about that's like extremely in line mm -hmm. with exactly what you both want, mm -hmm. then that might work where you can appeal to the other stakeholders. But if it's not, if it's if you have differing visions, even by the slightest, you might have to restate or rethink your mission. Mm -hmm. um, or else they won't give you funding. Mm -hmm. As part of this exercise, I went and looked up uh, Planned Parenthood's mission statement. Because I'm just kind of curious. You know, they're in the news. They have stakeholders who are, who are their strong advocates. But they also have stakeholders who are in strong opposition to them. And I was just curious. Do they make a bid to the pro-life community? Or are they pretty clear about this is who we are, we're pro-choice, and this is the mission of our organization? And that's something that Planned Parenthood or any other organization needs to decide. Of We have some stakeholders out there who might be in opposition to us. How are we going to address them? And like when we talk about our mission and our purpose and our values, should we take that into consideration? There's not one answer to it, but I think the starting point is, who are the stakeholders? Who has a vested interest in the success or failure of your organization? Any other thoughts on whether or not to appeal to your stakeholders? Personally, I would sacrifice like donations or like funding if that means like you can stick to your values. I think shaping your organization to meet the needs of like someone that's going to give you a lot of money for like a temporary time isn't worth like sacrificing like what you started the business for in the first place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, like I work for a restaurant at home, and it's like they have a certain like mission values always to provide like the greatest quality for to the customers. So like I mean I like. I work, I don't know, I'm interested in, like, the food prices and stuff. So, like, recently, like, food prices have gone up, and it's, like, we can make the decision to either, like, you know, go for, like, a lower quality so we can make more money or make the same amount of profit. But mm -hmm. it's, like, they stick with, like, no, just buying the same amount, paying more for it, and just, like, still maintaining the quality that it takes, like, that they've always stuck with. So I think it's, like, interesting. To sure. There's no right answer, no one answer 
to this question. I think like the mentoring program, if you're doing an after-school program, it probably makes sense to make a bid towards teachers or to the education professionals because you really need them to be on board if you're going to see it succeed. But maybe if you're doing the concert, AA groups at concerts, you don't necessarily need the rock bands to be on board with it. Oh, no, not at all. So they're a stakeholder, but you know, whether or not they support it or endorse it doesn't matter as much. So there's no right answer, but the valuable aspect is to identify your stakeholders and then talk about them and say, strategically, how do we want to negotiate the different stakeholders? This is a private sector organization that was trying to I don't know what they were trying to do because they missed the mark. Basically, I said hitting the middle and missing everybody. So in 2012, Chevy Volt came out with this electric car, a hybrid car. Mm -hmm. And their tagline or their mission or the way they promoted the car was, it's more car than electric. And this advertising campaign bombed. It just was an utter failure, even though they had Super Bowl ad commercials and World Series commercials. And the reason it bombed is because if you think about the two stakeholders, two different types of car buyers that are out there, there's those who are all about getting the electric vehicle, and they want the one that's going to be the most cost-effective, fuel-efficient, you know, such that they're on board fully to have an electric car, and they want the full deal. And so when they hear it's more car than electric, they're kind of like, I kind of want all electric. You know, I want the, I'm going to invest in this new technology. And then you have the other stakeholders who are, the car people, you know, they like the roar of the engine, they like everything about the car, you know, and the hot rod and the the power of the vehicle. And when they hear it's more car than electric, when they even hear the word electric, they're like, no, that's not for me, I don't want an electric car. And so what they were trying to do was appeal to both in aiming for the middle, and they alienated both stakeholders versus appealing to both of them. And so it's just funny, how even if you try to accommodate or try and pitch it in a way that's going to be appealing to everybody, it could be an utter failure. That's just one example of a vision that tried to appeal to stakeholders but failed. Specifically with mission statements, and this is where I'm going to break down the differences between mission statements, vision statements, and values. With mission statements, the things that come to mind is that it provides focus, it clarifies priorities, and sets boundaries. And so this is your most clear-cut nuts and bolts. Here's who we are as an organization. This is what we do. It's more about the process than the product. So five people sitting around the table, what is it that our organization is going to do? It provides focus. You know, there's a hundred different things you could do. It prioritizes them. Let's start with this and then eliminate the secondary stuff. I think the other valuable thing is that it sets boundaries. One of the best things you can do as an organization is know how to say no to really good ideas. Because as an organization, you're going to be presented with a lot of really good ideas. And you need to be able to say no to those so that you can pursue what's best for your organization. But you don't really know what things to say no to unless you have clear-cut boundaries. What if the concert group... They say, well, hey, let's also go expand into this arena. You need to be able to say, great idea, but it's not part of who we are. And you have clear boundaries. And it sort of gives you the license and the empowerment to say no to really good ideas because we're focusing on this. And these are what we've determined to be the best things for our organization. Some of the questions that you would ask as you're 
groups are coming together and putting together your statements are, what is our purpose? Like, why does this organization exist? Who are we serving? Hopefully your organization has some sort of recipient or constituents that you're serving. And it could be multiple people. Also, what do we do? Big picture. So don't get into the, well, we're going to be distributing pencils and coloring books and educational resources. It's more we're empowering the youth for educational excellence. So think big picture. Don't think minute nuts and bolts, but more what is it big picture that we're doing and then what is our scope? And for the purposes of this class, the scope is going to be a more defined city or location that you kind of know. So a lot of nonprofits, their scope is the whole world. They didn't necessarily start off that way, but they expanded to that scale. So these will help crystallize what your mission statement should cover or address. So that when people look at your mission statement, they should know what you're doing, who you're serving, what you're doing, and the scope of your activities. So when I was in high school, our school district was rewriting their mission statement. They asked or invited a couple of students to be a part of the process of writing the mission statement. And so I went to Pittsburgh School District, which is in Rochester, New York. I can proudly say that I played a part in writing the mission statement for our school. Now, my pride is diminished a bit when I look back and read our mission statement. It's sort of the stereotypical mission statement and it's pretty boring, and it's pretty cumbersome, and it's pretty heady. As an educational leader with uncompromising commitment and a passion for excellence, Pittsburgh Central Schools will deliver quality programs and services that maximize academic performance and personal development and provide for each child's future success. It's not horrible, but what was interesting, you know, even as I read this, I can still remember, because this was a school, there's a lot of critiquing on the grammar, and so one of the things was, should it be a leader with a passion for excellence or just passion for excellence? Like they were debating over that. Another thing was, Pittsburgh Central Schools will deliver quality programs, or should we say Pittsburgh Central Schools delivers quality programs? And like there was just these mind-numbing conversations about little minute details of the mission statement. And that's part of the process that's not helpful getting caught up in all the little minutiae of grammar. And ultimately what happened was they tried to cram everything in there and have everyone's voice be heard. And it wasn't a terribly helpful process. And I don't think the end product was one that just flows off your tongue when you're thinking about what is our mission statement. The one valuable thing about this was that they invited students to be a part of writing the school district's mission statement. If you think of other organizations that you've been a part of, it's typically the leaders the principal, the superintendent, or whoever the leaders of the organization are, they're the ones who had the vision, they know what to do, so they write the statement. I think there's incredible value in bringing your stakeholders into the conversation of writing the mission statement. And even though I didn't really like the mission statement, I had a vested interest in seeing our school do well. I was brought on board with seeing our school district succeed, and even promoting this. I was proud of this. I'm excited about our school now. And so they got me to be a part of where they're trying to go, and then I could recruit other students. So the takeaway from this is involving stakeholders in the process of writing your mission statement. We're going to look at a video. Chip Heath, I think it's Chip and Dave Heath, are professors of management, and they have an excellent summary 
of what not to do with a mission statement, highlighting what we did do with our school district. But what he does is just summarize some do's and don'ts, which I think are, are very helpful and hopefully you can use as you're writing your mission statements. I want to show you why most mission statements are so terrible. So let's say that you own a chain of pizza parlor, and maybe you have a mission statement that you've drafted, and it says something like, our mission is to serve the tastiest damn pizza in Wake County. Now that's pretty good, if you ask me. If I was one of your employees, I could get excited about that. But here's where things go off the rails. So you invite all your colleagues to come join you and to help you wordsmith this thing, and you all sit around a table, and right in front of your eyes, a transformation happens. All of these people who you like and respect suddenly become 10th grade English teachers and begin to nitpick every word of this thing. Hey, I really like the word present better than serve. It has nice resonance. We obviously can't say damn. And why limit ourselves to Wake County? And guys, I know our pizza is good, but, but what about the calzones and the salads? Why don't we just say highest quality Italian food? Our Greek salad isn't Italian. We haven't even talked about the atmosphere yet, the, the big comfy booths and the kids' birthday parties and all that. Yeah, great point. You know what we're really doing here? We're providing a family entertainment solution. Yeah, solution. Nailed it. And everyone's excited now. You're almost there. And then Steve, at the end of the table, pipes up. Listen, guys, we haven't mentioned anything about integrity. That's what it's all about at the end of the day, integrity. And is anyone at the table going to rise up and go to the mat against the word integrity being in the mission statement? Doubtful. So presto, that's in. And now here's your new and improved mission statement. Our mission is to present with integrity the highest quality entertainment solutions to families. I know this is a little bit silly, but you gotta admit, this is what 99% of mission statements sound like. And now you know why. There's this cycle of making words more ambiguous and more fancy until all of the meaning you know, leaches out. Here's how to avoid that. Two tips. Number one, use concrete language. Great example comes from this fast-growing small business called Sonic Bids. Check this out. We want to help musicians get gigs and promoters book the right bands. We're a bunch of people who think that music can truly change the world and make it smaller and better. Now, I love that. I think it gives you a picture of exactly what they do and also gives you a hint why they might want to do that. And that brings us to the second point, which is talk about the why. You know, most mission statements are really long on statement and really short on mission. And the whole point of this is to talk about why you're doing what you do. You've got to talk about what makes you care. So let me give you a famous example from Johnson & Johnson. This is the first line in their credo. Our first responsibility is to the doctors, nurses, and patients, mothers and fathers, and all others who use our products and services. Well, all right. I mean, that's something that you could get out of bed to go do. So now you've seen why bad mission statements happen to good people, and I've given you two tips for avoiding that fate. If you're interested in learning more about writing a great mission statement, go to fastcompany.com heath. And in the meantime, I want to challenge you to do the impossible, to create a mission statement that says something. And one final hint, if it includes the word solution in it, you're not there yet. Thanks for watching. One thing you can do is go to fastcompany.com heat if you want examples for if you're stuck with your mission statement. As you watch this video, what things stand out or what things strike you as, I hadn't thought about that before or that could be helpful. Yeah. I mean, the part where he said about like trying to make each word like fancier, mm -hmm. it's like 
I've done that before, like, just to make it sound cool, or, like, feel like you're smarter, but it's, like, kind of always, like, drifts away from what you were actually trying to say. Sure. Yeah, probably a beneficial exercise would be to give your statement to some random person who wasn't involved in the process and have them read it and just say, give me your honest feedback on this. We're starting an organization. Here's what our mission statement is. And they can be your BS radar. Just speak in normal words, normal English. Yeah. I'm a journalism student, so I kind of have that tendency to like look at something and like just nitpick it and like uh-huh. make sure everything's correct. And so like I think it's important to sort of look at it on a broader spectrum. I mean, not broader words, but kind of not narrow down on, like, the grammar of it always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, too, just, like, what I got from that, it was kind of, like, what's inspiring you to even, like, make this happen might inspire somebody else, too, just so kind of, like, maybe, like, it's not necessarily simpler the better, but kind of, like... Well, and also, it's not about length. I mean, in some ways, it's the story <laughs> that you're telling. So even that one with the sonic boom, it was kind of long, but it was a story. There's a narrative to it, and it flowed, and it was like, interesting organization. That's what they do. And even with the word and the nitpicking, you know, I'm like you, where words matter. I don't just casually put words down. They have value, and they communicate things. And so, in many ways, I need to pick my battles of what words am I going to really say, hey, we need to change this. In other ones, maybe I can be, like, okay with it. Any other things that stand out when you hear? Yes. Um, I think a lot of times, I know that I tend to, and I think a lot of people do too, is like, you think that using like more vague or all-inclusive terms is better because it is like more inclusive and not so exclusive, but mm-hmm. in terms of mission statements, that can kind of just make it all fuddled and not very to the point, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, like fulfilling the promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go through three different mission statements, and they have different themes or styles about them, but I would hold these up as good examples of mission statements. This is the Red Cross One thing that I do like or find interesting is if you go to any of these people's websites, the images that they have associated with their mission is also telling a story. I think someone asked, like, well, how do you communicate your history, the history of your organization and your mission statement? I think right here is a great picture of the history of the Red Cross, when it started and where it is today, and then the common thread of the two volunteers. The mission statement says this is our purpose, is to prevent and alleviate human suffering, The situations is when there's emergencies, and how we do it is by mobilizing volunteers and donors. And so they just very succinctly say, here's who we are, here's who we're serving, here's how we're doing it. One thing that they don't do is the scope around the world or in Monroe County or, you know, like, I think it's helpful to know, is this an international organization or is it a local organization? But generally, it captures the essence of what I would say is a good mission statement. Then this one, I like this because they don't necessarily follow the template of here's our mission statement. But I guess up at the top, they have our mission to get clean water to every single person who needs it. It's grand, it's big, but it's clear. So this is a group of surfers who wanted to start a nonprofit to get clean drinking water to people around the world. So that's why it's called Waves for Water. It says, we work on the front line to provide clean water to communities in need around the world. It has the same feel of, like, what's our purpose, who are we serving, how are we doing it, and what's our scope. And it also talks about we work with world leaders and strategic partners who take a no-nonsense approach towards making global change. This is more of a shotgun approach of here's our tagline up at the top, and then 
getting into more specific details. And especially now, when you think about starting your organization, you don't need to tell everything in your mission statement. What I love about most good websites is they have an About Us page where they might have the mission statement, but then they have something that's multiple paragraphs long about who we are, when we were started, what were some key points in our organizational history. But all that can be in the About Us. What you want to do is grab their attention early on and say, hey, this seems like a cool organization and then have them click through to like the longer paragraph where you know they're wanting the more detailed, longer paragraph stuff. The third example, the reason I picked this one, this is the Center for Community Change. This is their mission statement. It's an infographic, and basically they take all the things that they do. I actually think it's a little bit too much information. It's too busy, but I like the idea, the concept, and the Center for Community Change works to build movements and then the infographic gives you a picture of what they do. Mission statements don't need to follow a certain template. They can be very creative and eye-catching. So at least with this infographic, if you see it in a magazine or see it online somewhere, you're going to probably look at that versus just a string of text. And maybe the busyness will throw you off and you'll tune it out. Or you could think, hey, if I was going to do something like this, here's how I would change it. But these are just some examples of mission statement. And what I want you to do is break up into your team, and I'm going to help you take the first steps in writing your mission statement. And so I'm going to give you guys these slides, but basically what I want you to do is answer these four questions. What type of program are you doing? It's like it's a nonprofit organization. You don't necessarily need to say that, but what you need to get to is what is the broadest way to describe the work that we're going to be doing? For whom are we going to provide this work? And what's our geographic scope? Where are we going to work? So get into your teams and go through the three questions right here. Okay, we're going to transition to talking about vision statements. So if mission statements are what you do, what your purpose is, and what your scope is, vision, if done well, can be the fuel or the inspiration. There's a classic example of the difference between mission and vision. It goes back to uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And if you're familiar with the speech, you'll notice that for the first two-thirds of the speech, he's reading from a script. And he's talking about the mission of the civil rights movement. And you notice when he's there, he's reading, people are following him, it's clear, it has a clear direction, people know what they're wanting to be about. It's a message that is very familiar to them, and so it's the mission. It's kind of flat. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. is an incredible speaker and orator, so it's not super flat, but if you think about what it could be, it's flat, and you even notice it I'm going to show you the video, but you'll notice even the crowd, the looking. They're on board, but they're not inspired. They're not fueled by it. And so he's giving this speech on the Washington Mall. And halfway through the speech, Mahila Jackson, she's sitting like right below him where he's speaking. And she yells up to him and she says, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And you'll notice a shift In the speech, literally right in the middle of the speech, he stops reading from his script and he starts articulating this dream, this vision of a future worth having. And then you can see the change in him and you can see the change in the crowd. And to me, that captures the difference 
between mission, which is good and important and critical, and vision, which makes it inspirational, which mobilizes people. As we think about the difference between mission and vision, I want us to watch this clip where you can see Martin Luther King where he's giving the mission, and then when he pivots and says, let me tell you about the dream, and see the difference. We must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our body is heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners, will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls would be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Every hill and mountain shall be made low the rock.
rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the word of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. <coughs> let freedom ring from the heightening alligators of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the crevacious slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring. You can just see it in the way he's presented it. He departs from the script and says, how can I capture something more visionary? So with this, I'm going to post the slides that give a little bit more detail of vision statements. But it's basically, what's your vision of the future? When you accomplish your goals as an organization, what will the future look like? Thank you very much. <laughs>